and welcome to episode two of Warisma's new Disrupting the Timeline video podcast, where we challenge, discuss, and analyze key topics driving conversations on and offline. I'm Jenny Tsai, Warisma's founder and CEO. Today, our topic is the business of sustainability. We have four great guests joining us today. Our first guest is Diana Verde Nieto. Diana is the co-founder and CEO of Positive Luxury, the company behind the Butterfly Mark, a unique interaction trust mark awarded to luxury lifestyle brands in recognition of their commitment of having a positive impact on people and our planet. The mark provides wordless reassurance that a brand can be trusted. She founded the first international sustainability communications consultancies in 2002 where she built to international success with a presence in five markets, including China and the USA at the time of exit, exiting the business in 2008. She holds a degree in global leadership and public policy from Harvard Kennedy School. Diana is a globally recognized figure in the sustainability field, honored by the World Economic Forum as a young global leader in 2011, and subsequently being trained by former US Vice President Al Gore. She serves on many advisory boards, frequently teaches at Cambridge Judge School and Oxford Said School, and was recently given an honorary professorship at Glasgow Caledonian University. Hi, Diana. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. We also have Yetende Butler. Yetende is a dedicated entrepreneur in luxury skincare. As founder and CEO of Essency, a newly launched farm-to-skin sustainable skincare brand, she works closely with skilled craftsmen, artisans, and farmers in the south of France and Corsica, and her team in Paris, adhering to a long-term vision of clean beauty for the brand and pioneering the way for conscious and luxurious skincare. Yetende has dual French-American nationalities and has launched several successful ventures, including import-export for French wines and a fashion council, the Innovative Fashion Council of San Francisco, Innovative in California, which created a sustainable fashion collaborative that involved designers, government, business, and media. Yetende holds a BA in French and political science from Williams College, a master's degree in business from the Conseil de Commerce, uh, Lonsec, um, and an MBA in sustainable management from Presidio Graduate School. To complement her academic degrees, she also studied uh, aromatherapy. She has also worked with leading brands such as L'Occitane en Provence, and in luxury skincare sales at Nordstrom and Borges. Welcome, Yetende. Next, we have Laura Henning. Laura is a former UN climate negotiator and founder of Falden, the world's first ethical luxury fully foldable bag. She graduated with a master's from the University of Cambridge and spent almost a decade working in environmental policy and UN climate negotiations. She serves as the vice chair of the UN Adaptation Fund, overseeing efforts to address climate change in developing countries. 
realizing that there was a gap in the market for a product that actively helped reduce our wasteful habits, but that was still a desirable luxury product, Laura took an accessories design course at the London College of Fashion and spent months folding origami shapes and calculating the best size and volume to make the Felden bag as useful and pur purposeful as possible. Hi, Laura. And last, but certainly not least, is Kay Carmichael. Kay is a luxury and fashion marketing consultant specializing in 360 marketing communication strategy and brand management. With over 15 years of experience in the industry, she has worked for a number of global luxury brands, including Michael Kors, Melbury, and Chanel in house and agency side. She completed her MBA in luxury, uh, international luxury ma uh, brand management at ESSEC uh, Business School in Paris in 2010, and a business sustainable, su sustainability management course with Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership in 2020. Hi, Kay. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to get stuck into this conversation. I'm going to start with you, Diana, and kick off this conversation uh, discussing positive luxury and its effort to help luxury brand demonstrate a positive social environmental impact. First of all, what was your motivation behind co-founding Positive Luxury? Well, first and foremost, thank you so much, um, for inviting me to, to be part of this amazing panel with incredible women. So it's great. So thank you so much, Jenny, and thank you so much for all your kind of support during the years. Um, so my background is sustainability, as you talked before, and also uh, my personal background is the fact that I grew up in this dictatorship in Argentina. So I've always been very passionate about um, the human rights act, uh, side of things. And then when I discovered the whole environmental side, the two together kind of made absolutely perfect sense. And I thought, this is what I really want to do for the rest of my life. The only nag that was 1999, <laughs> um, which was a little bit too early uh, to actually be thinking in this way. But um, I started my first uh, sustainability consultant back in 2002. And for the last you know, 20 years, I've been banging my head against a brick wall, literally, until two years ago when the whole world decided that actually this is what everybody cares about. So for me, every day is Christmas day because <laughs> everybody wants to have the same type of conversations that I have been wanting to have for 20 years and nobody wanted to listen about. So I am so excited that this is now in the forefront of, of um, you know, governments and, and businesses and, and people. So my motivation for positive luxury is not just mine. I cannot take all the credits. Uh, I have an amazing co-founder, Karen Hanton. Um, she is the founder of a company called Top Table, who she said to open tables, so restaurant bookings. And she's a technology pioneer. So when in 2000, the year 2000, I was talking about sustainability, she was talking about uh, aggregation business models online with dial-up internet. So imagine the conversations when I go and said I have a technology challenge, ignored for sure. Anyhow, um, what we wanted to do with Positive Luxury is to democratize the language of sustainability, to make it accessible to people, and for people at a click, be able to understand what companies do 
So we haven't created a trust mark that is it. When you click on it, you can see all the little bits and pieces that you might or might not care about as an individual. So animal testing or fair pay, um, forestry, FSC, packaging, and so on. And you start understanding the brand over and about, over and about just, okay, this is a blanket certification, like what we do. Um, so I guess, uh, in a nutshell, uh, the motivation is really kind of make this very simple in, to consumers. And, you know, kind of when you're going to make the decision to vote with your money, put it in brands that actually are investing in the things that you care about. Um, because brands today uh, have the responsibility of care about our world, like they never had this before because governments are not going to solve this problem for us. So I think that this, this agenda is more important than ever has been before, and especially now after, or well, during, after COVID. Um, so hopefully I answer your question. Yes, very much so. And uh, yeah, it's very uh, uh, wonderful to, to hear that, uh, you know, it's, it's Christmas every day. Uh, if, if, if we can continue this trend, hopefully uh, there, there's a, there's, there's a, a great future um, in this space. Um, so you, you described the buttermark um, uh, that, that, that authenticates the positive impact of luxury brands. Why do you think it's now becoming increasingly important for brands to validate their sustainability practices? Um, you mentioned, you know, there's obviously recently there's, there's the COVID that's very much, um, you know, impacting the world, but any other factors? Of course, I mean, what we do is not just validate the brands, we actually uh, understand where the risks of the brands are, so risk assessment uh, in terms of their sustainability, and actually help them to think uh, differently about the future, so the innovation piece. Um, so we assess brands in our governance, social environmental frameworks, and then the innovation against a delta of time. So the cutoff points are 2030 and 2050. So ideally you should be innovating by 2030, not by 2050. I mean, the big changes, and I think what is more important is the fact that, you know, pre-COVID, we have seen sustainability being something that it was incredibly important for people within the organization, but mainly came from the bottom up. So the passionate young or not so young people that really wanted to make a difference and, and they want to have a reason to get out of bed without coffee and get to work and work for a brand that was really exciting. But after COVID or during COVID, what we have seen is a massive shift for this to be a leadership uh, agenda. So the CEO and the board have taken in, a, in, in account sustainability in terms of the innovation of the business going forward. And the type of conversations that we are witnessing at board and, and at sea level are, uh, you know, what does good growth mean? So not just growth, but the difference between growth and good growth. What does good growth should have? Because in a trajectory of just plain growth is not gonna take us very far. Um, the second point is the investment communities really have woken up to the fact that companies that invest today into mitigating the risk of climate change in the future and internalizing the externalities that sustainability as a whole brings, um, they will be much more resilient in the future. And this is not just about a manifesto or something nice that you keep 
somewhere, you know, in a wall. This is about activating sustainability throughout the organization, linking into your payments, into your salary receipts, into your bonuses, and actually looking at how everyone, not just the CSR department or the sustainability department, all that is great and good, but really it's like how everybody in the organization is actually working towards the goal that the organization wants to wants to uh, achieve, and these are, and these goals are beyond profits. So it's about you know kind of how do you have a regenerative business model? So how you um, you know take out what you put in? How do you make sure that you capture your emissions, um, not just through offsets, but actually minimize them? And the last one is how you don't leave anyone behind. And that is from a you know, pay gap, women's agenda, diversity and inclusion. And, and of course, you know, that goes over racial, also uh, religions, diversity. So this is, I think, in a very, very big, broad picture, um, kind of the, the, the things that are driving this agenda forward today. That, that's very, uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly a very comprehensive change and it's, 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 it's good to hear that uh, from a bottom-up model, now we're starting to get a lot of leadership and stakeholders to start to comprehensively um, change the way we, we do things and that's yeah that's that's fantastic um, speaking of, of brands sustainable brands um, sustainable practices coming to you um, Lara um, what inspired you to start Falden uh, thank you thanks for having me here as well um, it's I, I I am asked this a lot and I think I think all people who start brands and, and businesses like all these women here at the panel as well, um, it's, it's never a very straightforward uh, journey. It's sort of lots of things coming together at the same time. And it, it happened to me, but there are very clear two drivers that um, were in my life that, that spoke to me and I thought I want to do something about it. One of them, as you mentioned in your introduction, I worked many years in international climate negotiations. and. Um, it's, it's great working on uh, international regulation with very big projects, global projects around the world, trying to uh, help communities to adapt uh, because we already have climate change is amazing. But sometimes it can feel sitting in Geneva in, in these uh, numerous meetings. Sometimes it feels like you lack that the real action that you want to, to be part of. And I remember very clearly there was a meeting and we were talking about um, a few African states that are uh, very much affected by a sea level rises. Um, and, and I thought, you know what, how about I do something closer to home? How about I I uh, worked towards the change in a developed world, in, in a city, in an urban environment where I live. So I wanted to be a little bit closer to the action point rather than big overarching um, uh, projects. So that was one. The other thing was that I, I always like nice things in life. And um, we were just starting to, we were just beginning talking about sustainability in luxury world in 2008, 2010. Uh, a few of the companies started to do that. But what I found is that um, for me, uh, uh, sustainability is not only in the materials, 
that, um, that we use or the processes that we use in order to make the product, but also how we consume. So I started questioning my own consumption habits and, you know, why do I need so many bags? Why do I need so many shoes? Why do I need so many things? And I started questioning the utility and function of uh, consumer products and especially the luxury goods, which I like myself. And this is where I came to the point where I thought if we all, including me, had a bit less, but only the most beautiful, sustainable and um, uh, uh, products, bags, shoes, clothes, whatever, uh, then maybe the world will be a better place and we will have less. So I, I really wanted to create a bag that is very functional for a working woman because more and more women, they're no longer, you know, luxury is no longer about a man buying a gift for a woman. It's about a woman earning herself uh, and um, buying it for herself. So I wanted to create a bag because I always ended up with lots of papers after my meetings that I could carry around that would function. So, you know, going about this versatile product, because a lot of the luxury goods are still not very versatile. They're made to be beautiful. They're made to be luxurious. And luxury, in essence, a lot of the times is seen as antidote to a utility. So I wanted to, to solve this problem of function, utility, luxury, and sustainability and see whether I can rise to that challenge. Uh, it took me many years before I could create a um, luxury ethical foldable bag, which we now uh, assigned for a patent. So it was a long journey, but it came from few places at the same time. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. That's a great, um, great journey. Um, we're also very lucky today to have um, two brands uh, owners with us. Um, so coming to you, um, Yetende, um, tell us a little bit about SNC and uh, your motivation um, behind creating it. Okay, um, I'm off of mute. <laughs> so um, obviously, Essency is a French skincare brand. That's a luxury skincare brand that's farm to face. And um, it's been in the making for the last several years um, and we're in the process about to launch. Um, but along that journey, um, initially I wanted to, what motivated me or why I wanted to create Essency was that I wanted to create um, uh, a company that had a purpose, a, a, company, a sustainable company. So a company where its DNA was about sustainability. Um, and also at the same time, creating, um, I wanted to create uh, skincare products that were healthy for women. And one of the reasons behind that is in today's world, I think, you know, as um, a lot is, a lot has advanced, uh, say since like 2008, and we're getting more, we're seeing more and more uh, clean beauty brands and sustainable brands, but um, so, which is a great thing, but you still have a lot of women putting on a lot of products night and day that have um, synthetic ingredients that have toxic um, ingredients and they're, you know, they're putting it on, they're ingesting in their bodies. And so I wanted to create something that would be healthy for these women. And so that kind of was the drive uh, behind a sensei um, outside of the, all the aspects that are around sustainability with, with um, in, in creating this company. Great. Um, I guess a question for uh, Itinde and, and, and Laura, um, you know, as you create these sustainable brands, um, how do you think about 
approaching to, to consumers and, and kind of get everybody kind of into this sort of bring them into the journey and, uh, and, and this share responsibility, um, you know, with the, with the vision that you have. Um, it's, it's interesting you say that because, and I ask this question because it's, it's not an easy journey. It seems that everyone is very much aware uh, and desiring the sustainability, the ethical product. Uh, I was somewhat surprised a little when we launched at the London Fashion Week earlier this year before COVID, um, and we were showcasing, you know, the functionality of this new luxury, beautiful bag. It, it was very few people asked about its uh, sustainability credentials, you know, despite the fact that we talk about, oh, you know, we want this, there is a revolution, people asking for things. If you go down to as a brand that is looking for markets and trying to build uh, a, a consumer around the product or around the ethos that you are creating, it's not that easy. People will ask how much it costs. And then does it function? Is it beautiful? And you, you, what I realized a lot of the companies, and I want to hear from Diana because I'm sure she, she has an answer to that. Some companies, luxury companies, even choose not to communicate that they do so much about sustainability because you have to choose very carefully what you communicate so that people buy. But then it's, it's your job as a brand for us that it's, it's in our DNA that we want to be sustainable. So whilst you buy us because you like our product, we make sure that it is ethical and we do our bit. But then the second point I will quickly make about uh, during the COVID and during the slowdown and everything going online, I realized what a power it is with influencers. There is less and less people, people listen to other people. So, you know, I, I realized that um, people get zone out when you talk too much about what are the ingredients of the cake. They want the cake. So um, I, I realized that, you know, even having all the information, how amazing recycled uh, lining that we make, how our boxes are made from recycled coffee cups is less important than engaging in a discussion on more ethical and conscious consumerism and lifestyle. So, you know, I realized sometimes it's a little bit more effective to talk about the lifestyle, the philosophy you're going down to. People engage a little bit more when you say, you know what, instead of having 10 bad bags, or not bad, but like cheap bags that are not made very well, why don't you save and have one? It's a little bit of, or less of a headache to go out. You don't need to choose every day new clothes. So you have only few. And then, you know, suddenly you are leading a more, um, a, a more sort of uh, ethical, conscious lifestyle. But then you have, if you buy only one or five things during a year, you have a bit more time to do a research. And I think, you know, this is the way Falden is trying to find a way to communicate about uh, about our ethics rather than directly going down like the, the whole uh, uh, list of, of materials and how we're making things. But I'm sure others have um, other experiences. Hi, sorry. So um, like for Ascensi, for us to begin with, I, there's a couple, there are um, a couple of points I want to go on. Number one, I wanted to say that I do think that um, as, as the uh, consumers or our clients have have uh, evolved over the years. I think more and more um, folks are interested in the sustainable aspect. The, the example I always use is the wine industry. 
you know, you had years ago where you didn't have on the wine bottles, there were brands that were the way in which they were creating their wines, like the farming was very, it was in eco wine, it was, it was organic, but they didn't, uh, they didn't tell the story um, about that. And I think that um, now you see when you go to, when, at least when I go to restaurants, I see more and more bottles that are saying that they're bio and it's, and it's in a positive aspect. But so I think, um, you know, people are uh, becoming more, they, they are interested about that. I know for at least for us with, at Ascensi, um, our strategy originally was uh, direct to consumers. So it was all, with Ascensi, our objective was always to sell the majority of our products uh, via online, digitally, before pre-COVID. Um, and one of the things that, that we felt, and I think is still important with the brands, is about um, kind of being authentic. I think what, in today's world, because you've got the consumer and the clients are inundated with all this information, all these images, I think what sets us apart, it, and, and I'm going to go back with these images, a lot of them have been photoshopped, or it's, it's like the perfect life, the perfect image. And I think that um, for us, at least, one of the things I think that, um, that can be effective or we, or we feel that will kind of help build a community is being as authentic as you possibly can and, and um, showing, I guess, the real aspects of life. And, and at, at the same time, excuse me, at the same time, um, um, besides just talking about, you know, we're a sustainable company, talking more about, instead of saying we're sustainable, talking about the values, telling the story, um, and, 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 and talking about the lifestyle. And I think that is an, is a, an effective way um, for future brands. At least that's the way we're, we're approaching it. And I think if you do that um, indirectly, um, you, people will be more open to it. And I think that um, they will, you'll connect on an emotional level and, and therefore you, one will um, enable, to, one, one will be able to get, to, um, get more clients to go on your journey with you and share that journey with you. I don't know if other folks have other uh, ideas or, or opinions on that. Yeah, um, very, very good point. Um, definitely from, from kind of our data, um, we're actually seeing, you know, much more um, online audiences in general, especially a lot of whether millennials, Jen said, they're they're really engaging more with brands that 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 do kind of promote um, sustainable initiatives and make it much more of a of a part. Uh, but like you said, authenticity is always always a part. Um, I want to kind of go to Kay um, uh, to to look at her experience working with um, you know numerous uh, great luxury brands um, and also you know um, starting this this sustainable journey. Um, what are your thoughts um, in terms of uh, marketing sustainable products, communicating that, and then, you know, while staying authentic, you know, in a way. Um, and, you know, Diana, it'd be great if you also um, let us know your thoughts on that as well. Thanks, Jenny. And actually, I wanted to uh, kind of join in the points we were raising in the last question raised by you, Tundi and Laura, because it fortunately seems like now there is an audience that is engaging more and more with sustainability. It's finally becoming on everyone's radar, something that we need to think about, need to consider, and as you said, whereas my data has shown that engagement on social is really driving that change, but also um, data from Boston Consulting Group has shown that 75% of Americans now view sustainability as either very important or important in their purchasing decisions. And that's really optimistic and really hopeful. And so it's about ensuring that your brand's communication is authentic 
and consistent with your values. But also, as Laura said, people want to buy something that's beautiful, that's desirable, and it should be automatic that it is produced in an ethical, responsible, sustainable way. And hopefully the fashion industry, as well as the wider industry, is moving very slowly in that direction and arguably needs to move more quickly. But that, for me, is the key thing. It needs to be a balance of ensuring that you are authentically an ethical brand, ensuring that how your product is made, how your product is manu um, distributed, and even how your product is used across its lifetime. Is it recyclable at the end? Is it able to be repaired? All of these things need to be considered to ensure that you are authentically a sustainable brand. And then when it comes to the marketing and communications around that, that is of course an important pillar, but also what do you stand for in terms of who you are as a brand? So yes, Sustainability will be an important part of that, but you do, of course, want to also build a desirable brand, a brand that stands for values, whether that is natural skin care, ensuring that products that are being used on your skin are all natural, or whether that is empowering women by providing them with a bag like Falden that's very functional and helps them with their day. Where do you stand as a brand on your bigger, broader values? Because Consumers are bombarded with choice now, and they're going to connect with your brand based around your values and your authentic and consistency with those values, which is really key. And just one last point to add to that is that I find it very interesting because this panel of women is, have an incredible background in terms of climate experience. And whilst I have a stronger background in terms of luxury communications, and my personal sustainability journey has really been over the last few years, it's becoming an increasing focus of mine. And now that I've become a consultant, I'm aiming to work with brands that I align with their ethics and their values and their beliefs. And I think that I'm an industry professional who wasn't cognizant, who wasn't engaged in sustainability until the last few years really does reflect on the industry and the challenges that it has been facing or kind of sweeping under the carpet. Um, and so it's really, fantastic now that there are brands that are starting that have those key values at their core but bigger brands are really making commitments and you know um, committing to carbon specific carbon measurements by certain um, you know setting themselves very clear benchmarks and goals to achieve and so it's really exciting that this moment feels like there's finally some momentum gaining behind it it's very uh, yeah it's very interesting the kind of part you mentioned about the the sort of kind of walking the walk and also you know uh, but but in terms of communication to think about both doing that for sure but also having the brand kind of broader kind of um, I guess positioning and, and personality and and, and all, all the rest of it um, I think it's very very interesting point um, Diana what are your thoughts around sort of with the brands you work with how how can brands kind of almost capitalize on, on this kind of groundswell of interest um, and really while staying authentic uh, in the way they, they talk about it. Well, I really like what uh, Laura, Laura uh, Kena and um, Yetunde said because there's a bit of all of it together, what we see. The first thing to Laura's point is um, luxury brands are doing an absolute terrible job at communicating what they do. Um, and Kay probably knows this firsthand as you, uh, your background is started with luxury, so you know what I'm talking about. So luxury, luxury changed the meaning um, and used to be about opulence and big and, you know, 
uh, kind of quite extravagant. Um, and, the, and the reason new luxury, I mean, that, that was a thing of the past. And luxury actually moved to a new luxury, which is about craftsmanship and about quality, always been about that as well. But the aura about luxury was this idea of excess. Today, that's not true anymore. Um, luxury are the small things, are the minimalistic things, are the things that give you joy. And um, luxury has changed its wits as well in terms of what the dream is about. Um, so I think that there is a, a shift now for luxury brands to start talking about what are they doing beyond targets and compliance. So, and I, this is not a dig at the UK, it's just literally, uh, everybody's like, okay, I want to reduce my carbon emissions by 2025 by X or water or waste or this or that. You should have been doing that 20 years ago. Consumers, we don't care. That's, that's your license to operate as a business. If you don't do this, don't have a brand because that's the minimum that you have to do in order to enter. What we'd like to see for brands and what brands need to start doing that is a little bit what you guys talked about is just, what is your purpose beyond the bag, beyond the skincare, beyond the beautiful coat, beyond uh, the taxi company, beyond what you do, what is your purpose? And I mean, what we are looking at is the, uh, at least a positive luxury is this, this notion of positive impact. Positive impact doesn't mean you have to offset Positive impact means is what are you putting back that gives you a license to operate in this world that is overcrowded, that we take from Earth, from our planet by July, what we should be consuming by December. Um, what gives you that license to operate? And I think a lot of, like I said, like leadership has started to realize that unless they think in this way, they will not have a business. And Laura, you talked about it earlier, which is about how do you, how you talk about sustainability. And I think that shift also is about how do you bake it into your, into your product. So it's not an add-on. It's not like this t-shirt is organic or this t-shirt is made with, you know, uh, pay the, the minimum wage or, or whatever it is that you say you do. It's about how do you bake it of the outset. And almost it's like, this is who we are. This is what we do. For bigger brands, it's much harder because they have hundreds of years of trajectory doing things in a particular way. And it's not, and a lot of houses are, especially in luxury, are marketing houses. The supply chain is outsourced elsewhere most of the time. So it's a bigger job because it's ten of, tens of thousands of people that you have to be engaged beyond the four doors of the house globally to be actually to think in exactly the same way of what and, and to travel the direction which the brands want to travel. So it's a really big challenge because it's not gonna happen overnight. Um, but, and I think that we as consumers are perhaps too hard in terms of we want everything now. And in order to do this well, it takes time. That's called sustainability over time. <laughs> and I think it's, um, you know, the brands that they had started 20 years ago are in a better place than the brands that wake up today and said, oh gosh, I have to do all of these now. Um, but it's about leapfrogging to the future. It's about innovation. And let's not think about this linear thing of, okay, we need to do 
this, this, and this. It's about, okay, if in 10 years time, we know that our natural resources are being scarce and in, 20, in 10 years time, climate change is affecting probably these regions of the world. And we know that, you know, biodiversity is in decline. I think it's like 30% year on year. It's terrible. What can we do in order not to get to 2030 being totally dependent on a supply chain that we will not be able to fulfill unless we really look at how we can use the power of our brand to regenerate the world. And I've been putting back what we take out. So that's what we're seeing. Um, and I think there is some kind of perhaps optimism because the decisions of the CEOs now in that direction are re being recognized uh, amongst the investment community. And that was the link that never was formed or perhaps in a very, very delicate world was formed before, now there is a real business case for sustainability. And if you don't do it, you will miss out profit-wise. I am talking profit, not growth, it's profit-wise. Um, yeah, very, very fascinating. I guess the question kind of back to, Kay um, and, 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 and Diana on this point about luxury being perceived as minimalist and, and arguably, you know, one of the points that Lara made is also, is also sort of, you know, buying less but quality and, you know, um, and, and, and is, is potentially a, a major part of, of that. Um, how do you think it's, well, not maybe not necessarily a major part, but how do you think in terms of your, your final link on investment and better profitability, how are people making this business case at the moment? Because actually it's not about buying less, it's perhaps not buying at all. And what I mean is doesn't mean that you will not have access to the product. You're thinking about different business models. Right. So for example, you lease the bag, you pay every year, every month, X amount of money, I use the bag, I have great pleasure of it, I'm so proud of it, and then by the end of it, when I just don't want it anymore, I call Laura and said, by the way, here's your bag. And you take it back, you recycle it, or you upcycle it into something else. So this is not glamorous in any way, but the tires, the tires, you know, the tires in the car, that's what they do. They own the tire all the way through. And, you know, it's about thinking about that, refilling, leasing, um, you know, kind of upcycling, recycling, thinking about this in a completely different way. So rethinking the business models, because this linear way of commerce is not going to be able to be fulfilling with a scenario of 8 billion people in this planet consuming at the rate that we are all consuming, it's not possible, it's not sustainable, it's only one planet. So we have to be innovative in terms of how do we access the things that we love uh, with pride, but then how do we actually put them back and actually think about this in a different way? And I think that the new, I mean, I, I, um, I came across a new brand uh, for trainers. I think it's you pay 20 something dollars a month and you run, I'm a runner so you run for two years and then you send them back and then they send you a new pair of trainers I mean that have solved my life my problem of wearing my trainers off and having to train my trainers every year because I run probably about 40 kilometers a week so I completely trash my trainers in no time but this is great somebody else's problem not mine anymore 
I mean, this is something that a lot of companies should be thinking about. And um, just to add to that as well, I think from the fashion industry perspective, there's some fundamentals in the system that are actually crazy in terms of the amount of production versus the amount of what's actually sold. I think it's something like 60% of items are sold at their full price and then the rest is sold at off price or, or disposed of. So all of this excess that's constantly being produced when it's not actually needed or wanted by anybody, if the business models can shift so, so they're actually getting the value out of selling something at the full price or maybe things are overpriced, so they need to review what is the appropriate price for a product. Um, but these kinds of shifts within the industry, as well as looking at circularity models and how we can change into rental options and things like that, will just help the industry ease its impact on the environment I as a whole. Not, absolutely, and I could not agree more in terms of systemic change, not just like you know the plasters in the bath. Yeah. But I think about how can I change the bath? Because this kind of is full of holes, so we need to think about systemic change. And also this idea that we can actually go and sell. There are brands, there's a brilliant brand that actually is a positive luxury brand, Cecilia Banson. She creates this beautiful, really cool um, uh, dresses and the skirts are to die for. She never goes on sale. So where they have the excess stock that they might not have sold, they have this archive and you can buy the archive but not on a sell price. You just go back and buy their archive. So it's, it's great. So they produce X and you can always have these fresh pieces, this collection on 10 collections ago, but they never go on sale. So really you can actually assure that all the way in your supply chain, you will pay fairly all the time, not just this, you know, kind of now and then you don't really know what happened on the sale. So I think like you're completely, I mean, totally agree with you that the system has to change and the cycles, the speed of the cycles have to change because, you know, we don't have four seasons anymore. So why do we need eight collections? So, yeah, I mean, I think this is the discussions that a lot of people are, are having to have and they have to be bold and brave to, to, to have them. Yeah. And linking that back to more of a communications perspective, that's what's such a challenge. Brands want to step forward and they want to make changes to be more sustainable, more ethical, but they're never going to be perfect, not for, not for a long time. Yes, brands can, can start out in a much better place, such as Falden and you know, more ethical brands, essentially, but the bigger brands are trapped in this, this almost fear of this conversation about sustainability because they're not sustainable. I'll stop. <laughs> and so trying to move into that conversation, particularly in with today's consumer who has access to social media, digital, can research, can find out everything about your brand. They need to be open to that two-way conversation and be honest about it. And everyone, it's better to be moving in the right direction than not doing anything. But I feel that is a, a real sticking point for a lot of brands in understanding how to engage in this conversation because their fear of being held accountable for actually what their businesses are, are doing and have been doing um, and the, the repercussions that, that could be quite negatively impacting on their brand. But it's important that honesty and being open to debate and then actually really learning and listening to your customers to what's important to them what they really value and helping them to understand how your business operates and what your business is doing 
that is good and that you're planning to improve on and trying to be optimistic about the future whilst making these changes to, to move into the future. I think just to comment on that, I think that um, brands are kind of in large companies are being forced to do that by, by their consumers and specifically because you have so much on the social media that if they don't do that, if they do try to hide, people will find out. And when the consumer finds out, it can be drastic to their bottom line. And that's either, you know, you're talking about supply chains or even if you think about, you know, what happened with the blackface or there are other, there have been others, there have been other events that have occurred where um, when, think, when the consumer, you know, some, someone finds something out or sees something and they share it with the media, it, it can just be extremely disruptive. And so I think um, because of that, uh, when, as companies are thinking more along the line of, um, of risk control, if you will, they're being kind of forced into that. Even if they don't want to do it, 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 it's happening because the risk of not of doing what they, they did, the same behavior as, as the past is too risky. So it's just to kind of add on to what you were saying. I, I, it's very interesting what you mentioned. I think I would like to add on from the, what I call real politic of actually having a brand and trying to do a sustainable thing. The reality is that it's very expensive to be sustainable. I know from my own personal experience, when you order packaging and you say, I want it from recycled materials only. I want to make sure that every single component of a product, including the shipping, should be climate neutral. The one positive thing is that there are options. So even for a small brand like us, we can find the recycled paper for our packaging that doesn't look eco, it looks luxury. We can find the options with DHL or other shipping companies that for an extra fee would make a uh, carbon neutral shipping. So those options are there, but when you pull it together, you no longer make a sensible business, traditional business case. And when you then, then your only option becomes to be direct to consumer. That is our reality today because we are not making the margins. And this is where, you know, I, I plead with Diana, who is working in this field, you know, there needs to be a discussion. There is a lot of a discussion about innovation and materials. There is a lot of a discussion about all these components, but this business model changing and the relationship between, for example, brands and retailers, it's such a Pandora's box that um, requires a lot of debate still. It, it requires a lot of convincing people saying, well, no, I'm not selling at the price where you can retail it at. And, you know, we did look at, at Falden last year when we were launching, I did want to do it leasing as opposed to buying and, and we're still looking into it. And all the advisors that I was surrounding me said, Laura, it's just too complicated. The fact that you are innovative in function, the fact that you are sustainable and women's female rights, and now you're going to lease it. This is just going to overload the communications. You shouldn't do the whole thing. Do it step by step. So I don't know what you think. Do you see there is a debate? Because a lot of the retailers are saying, Laura, you, your, your bag costs so much that you know I'm okay to make a smaller margin as direct to consumer, but it's harder for me to sell wholesale to, to a big guys to help me to build that brand? I don't know the answer on the retail side because that's not what we do, but I do have an answer for you on the sustainability side, collaboration. 
So what we do at Positive Luxury is like our brands, we get them to, if they want to be introduced, we introduce them to each other because the economy of the scale is everything. So if you want to have this type of paper and these guys will want to have this type of paper, you should get together. And even if you might, both of you are doing skincare, packaging is not a competitive advantage anymore. 10 years ago, yes. Today is your compliance. You should not compete on like which packaging is more sustainable. It's a, it's a given. So collaborate, get a lower price point, and off you go. <laughs> so this is one of the things that, you know, uh, my team, um, it's, it's spent a lot of time to look at what are the solutions uh, for, for brands to, to be able to either collaborate uh, themselves or with external partners. Um, I mean, and at the same, in the same type of conversation is like, how do you recycle your props when you put them on the shop? How do you uh, look at packaging systems or so from prop packaging to packaging systems? So, I mean, our job is so exciting because it's, we get, it's like matchmaking, which is the second thing I would do if I would not do positive luxury. Uh, anyhow, it's like matchmaking and it is so rewarding because you're part of a community and the only way to solve this agenda is not by ourselves. I can do it, you can do it, neither of us on our own can do it. And this is why it's important to have these conversations and collaborate and share because that is the only way we're gonna actually achieve a 2030 target or a 2050 target, which doesn't not actually mean nothing else than surviving as a human as a human race. And if you have children, that your children will have the same childhood that we have been privileged to have. So you know, we we we've all to to work together. So you. you have my email address. Reach me offline, and I'll help you out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I absolutely am loving the conversation that really spanned through everything from fundamentally thinking through the business case, business models, uh, direct to consumers and, and so on. So um, definitely, um, I think there was some such exciting and interesting point. Um, and I, I know, uh, Yetinda, you're also um, direct to consumer in, in the way you, you also um, look to approach the market. Um, how, I, I guess one of the things probably for, for all the panelists is from a consumer standpoint, um, do, you, do you think that there are still you know, obviously different segments of consumers, some are sort of more ready uh, to be engaging in the sustainability journeys and others are, may still be sort of much more kind of price conscious and sort of, you know, do, do you think there's any any um, way that um, can, can kind of bring more people across the board with their shopping habits? Um, and what are some of the things that you've seen that you find um, really, really interesting, whether it be business models, the way um, brands communicate um, from the direct to consumer channel? Um, okay, so for me, I believe that first of all, um, in general, globally, that consumers are ready for sustainable products, period. I think that, you know, like I said, back in the mid 2000s, maybe not so much. And I, and I think I'll go a step further. I think they're ready for sustainable products. And I think they're ready for sustainable luxury, luxury I'll put in quotes, luxury products, because um, I, I try to also refrain from using the word luxury because to, as 
I mean, Diane had said that the definition of luxury today has, has changed for the consumer. And I think it's more around craftsmanship and it's more around taking time for things. But I, what I, we're so, I, I think uh, these different markets are definitely ready for sustainable products and ready for sustainable products that um, take time and that, and that, um, that um, incorporate craftsmanship. And therefore, once again, it's not about consuming, 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 having you know, these huge big things. It's more of quality over quantity. But where I see from marketing to the consumer, at least with our brand, is where you see the shift is more around generations. So it's more around age group. And I think that how you market your sustainable products and the questions you, I guess, you ask yourself as a brand as to, you know, what, what aspect of our brand or product should we uh, communicate is dictated by the age of the person. Someone who's 20 is going to be looking for something different than a 30-year-old, than a 40-year-old, and, and so on. And I think that's um, really key in, in communication. And that's what we've found um, at Essencia. And even you know, when I think about us creating our Instagram, which is a uh, page which has evolved, um, you know, it's, what's been the hardest thing is you know, how can we create a page or market where we can um, touch different generations because our products are made for a 25 year old as it is for you know someone in their 50s and and how can we have it where these age groups that are looking for different um, that are entertained by different things and attracted by different aspects of sustainability how can we engage them how can we bring them along um, our journey so i don't know if i if i answered your question on that one. no i think i think it's very uh, yeah it, it, it's very true that um i think how brands can really bring people who are interested in in this topic and, and just know, you know, Diana, you mentioned that kind of trainer example so that people who actually wanted to try them can actually um, really start to, to look into it. Um, we found actually even in the influencer space, um, it's starting to become more and more interesting as a marketing mix. Not only like they talk a lot more about certain aspects like cruelty free, reuse, ethical um but also we're starting to see influencers telling us that their um followers are actually pushing them uh with comments you know such as uh you know uh you should try to you know find things that are more sustainable where is this from and and also like you know you're you're definitely some of the fast fashion aspect people actually leave comments and say this is too much um etc so um we're definitely seeing that sort of groundswell um, with influencers kind of talking about a specific topic that has a huge resonance. Um, I guess from, from to, to kind of wrap it up, um, do you think that there are certain aspects of sustainabilities, um, you know, in Q1 2020, what we're seeing with Where's My Data was cruelty-free, reuse, and ethical. Um, do you want to maybe go around and have um, have sort of your predictions on what sort of aspect uh, might actually be sort of top of mind um, in these in these um, influential conversations? Um, well, obviously, I I would hope that the, the what's going to be on the top of agenda, what I care about, <laughs> and I really hope that we're going to be going down the direction of conscious consumption, whether it's uh, changing the framework, the way we own things and the way we get access to whether, you know, we need something. I think this is the, the bottom line of everything else that builds on, on top of that. And whether it's going to be 2021 Q1, I don't know, but I hope we're moving that direction. Less is more and access rather than ownership. And um, for me, I mean, I think that's great. Obviously with skincare, 
that would for us to be more a little more difficult outside of um, at least with Ascensi, uh, we have um, our packaging is in our vessels are in porcelain and rechargeable. So there's a bit of that spirit. Um, but but I, I I do hope that um, and it ties in again with what Laura is saying. But I hope that um, as we move forward, that individuals are going to be thinking about um, I guess wellness and and thinking about at least within the skincare industry. And I think in general, um, when you buy something, one is what is that company about? What are the values of that company? And do the values resonate with you? I think that's um, number one, and and number two would be about at least within the skincare industry about um, people thinking about not just I guess external beauty but internal beauty and exuding outwards. But in order to create that beauty, where where do what are the ingredients that you, that are in your products that you're putting on your skin? And I think a lot in today's world, at least at least in the beauty industry, we're definitely people are becoming more and more cognizant of that. But I do think people still are focused in on what is it gonna do for me? What is it gonna do for my skin from an aesthetic, um, an, an, uh, excuse me, from an aesthetic pers perspective rather than, you know, is this healthy for my skin? And I hope that um, circling back, that as we move forward, people are more conscious and they're thinking more of um, their, their well-being and, and once again, the values of the company and what kind of impact does that company make both socially and environmentally. So I hope that's the direction we're going. Mm. I mean, from what we see, uh, we see two sides. On the social side, we see the need of uh, wider conversation of, from a diversity and inclusion agenda. Um, and this is like uh, at a board level and uh, directorship, directorship uh, level. And this is not the talking women or the talking black women. This is really understanding how the process of recruitment should change and appraisal should change throughout the organization. That is the elephant in the room that nobody wants to be talking about, but it's an absolute must. The second point is the care of our planet. So really it's about these this regenerative business models, regenerative agriculture, and, and uh, how we will really play a, and a fundamental role into bettering uh, our planet and have a positive impact in the world. I think the third bigger point is um, recycling, reusing, like, you know, the waste, just, I mean, it's not a sexy word, but forgive me, it's like the, the whole waste piece um, and actually uncircularity is part of that. So how do we actually reframe uh, all of that? And I think the last point to Kay was about uh, system changing. So how this is going to, how do we need to change the system in order, in order to change the outcomes? So for us, it's less about issue specific and more about strategic thinking on how C-suite can start activating sustainability throughout the organization because the time for leap service is gone. And uh, COVID has accelerated that. And I mean, although we are not over this yet, <laughs> um, I think we will, if companies start doing the work now, we will come out of it much, much stronger. So that's kind of what we're seeing in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, and I think to echo everyone's points from a consumer perspective, it's about conscious consumption. We've all had time to reflect earlier in the year on 
what we have, what we own, what we really need, what we can afford, because, you know, realistically, some people are struggling at the moment as well. And it seems like we're going to have more time to reflect over these points over the next few months as well. Um, so really that, that point for us to all think about consuming less, buying less, buying better, and even, you know, taking that time. I'm, I know a lot of my friends have taken the time to learn how to sew, learn how to knit, learn how to mend things because we're at home and we are reassessing the value of what our products are. And so I predict, yes, the next, hopefully over the next few months, the trend will really be that slowing down, that time to pause and that conscious decision about what we purchase and what we consume. Thank you. Thank you all very much. It was a very, very insightful conversation. Um, and thank you, um, Yetende, Lara, Kay and Diana. To keep up our Disrupting the Timeline video podcast, make sure you follow Wearisma on all social media platforms. If you have questions about any topics discussed or have um, anything you'd like to, to know more about, please contact us at hello at Love to hear from you. Stay safe and be well.